Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Emmanuel Martin, CEO of the Metamorphosis Project, a business offering due diligence, consulting and coaching while promoting the importance of due diligence for everyone. Listen on as Emmanuel opens up about his experiences in the small business sector, examples of good and bad due diligence, what you need to know about due diligence, the Royal Commission fueling demand for the Metamorphosis Project, and much, much more. Welcome everyone, my name is Raghu from Eden Exchange. I'm also joined by Ellen Rogers on the team today. Hello everyone. Today we're joined by Emmanuel Martin, who's the CEO of the Metamorphosis Project. The Metamorphosis Project are franchising experts that help start up franchises and have guided many people towards a successful franchise journey from end to end, all the way from picking the right franchise, setting up the right systems, as well as due diligence when you're buying a franchise. And that's a lot of the basis of the topic we're on today about due diligence, making sure you pick the right business, value the right business, and frankly, don't get caught up in the wrong franchise. We've seen a lot of information in the news about that recently, and we don't want any of our users to go down that trap. We want them to prosper on their journey today. And thanks all for joining us today, Emmanuel. It's a pleasure to be here. Look, firstly, Emmanuel, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, what your role is, and how you came to be a part of you know, the Metamorphosis Project? Sure. Look, I've had a, a long history, uh, professional history, or nearly 25 years. You know, I worked mainly in strategy, you know, finance and leadership roles in big companies. Somewhere along the way, I'm also a CPA. Uh, don't hold that against me. No, we won't. And <laughs> so, look, I've had a great journey. As you mentioned before, Raghu, it's been a journey for me. You know, in, the, in mainly franchising, um, I also had exposure to IT, retail, and hospitality. And in 2016, I started the Metamorphosis Project, which is a consulting business focused, as you said, on improving the profitability of franchisors and franchisees. Okay. And what can you tell us generally about the Metamorphosis project. So specifically, what is it, how it works, and the story about how it came about? You said it started in 2017. What brought that on? Yeah, it was actually 2016. So it's been two years. Look, metamorphosis is a, is a word that really means a lot to me. And if you guys uh, may have heard of it, it actually means change. And what I believe in life is that to change, you have to be someone you're not the day before. And a business is similar to that as well. So when you grow, you need to basically change. Uh, either positive or negative, whatever it is, but you have to change, right? So it was an important word. And for me, it's that journey uh, that you want to go on. And I wanted to have my own journey in my career. I didn't want to sit behind a desk every day, even though I had some great roles in my life. I wanted to make a positive change in the industry, the franchise industry. And what we do is we're essentially a team of very passionate, I'd say, and energetic uh, franchise professionals. We've had both franchisor and uh, franchisee experience. You know, I've been a franchisee myself uh, for a few months. Then I realized that I can't be a franchisee myself because, you know, that wasn't my mindset. But our clients are both franchisors and franchisees. Um, and what we essentially do is we help our clients uh, build solid foundations uh, that can stand the test of time in that franchising journey. So it, it actually starts, as Raghu said, from the beginning till the end. Some of the things we do in this space is, you know, coming up with a strategy, the directions, the systems and tools to run a profitable franchise business for both, obviously, franchisors and franchisees. 
and you know that that extends into business planning, you know, branding advice, uh, operational support tools and systems, recruitment services, and my favorite, uh, coaching and mentoring, uh, both franchisors and franchisees. From a franchisee perspective, we help them. Uh, you know, we help we coach them. I've coached over uh, and mentored over three hundred franchisees now in my journey. And more importantly, the most important thing is helping them with due diligence, which is the most important decision they can make uh, before investing money, time, and energy into a business. So I guess it all came about, guys, from my experience in um, uh, retail and franchising. And, and I spent a lot of time at Gloria Jean's Coffees, which was, uh, it, it, you know, it actually changed my life, the way I saw things. And it was a great brand at the time. And um, what I realized was that uh, franchisors and franchisees are tied together. The success of the franchisee is all important to the franchisor. It's not one way or the other. So I just, I just think it's a, you know, it, that relationship is so important, and uh, that's what we're here to do. We, we're here to help the relationship between franchisors and franchisees. Otherwise, it turns in a lot of trouble. And I, I know in the industry, you'll now see you know, the, the news that's happening in the media, the inquiry, RFG, and so forth. But what I did learn very quickly in my experience was that around 25 to 30% of franchisees actually did not make money at the end of the day. And I think that is uh, a concern. Wait, so you mentioned that they didn't make any money. Did you mean they didn't make any profit and they were in loss or that their systems were set up poorly so they couldn't make money? Sure. Raghu, what I mean not making money, what I mean is their bottom line. So it, it literally, once they had their sales and they paid for their franchise fees and then their overhead costs, which are fixed and grow and grows every year, they weren't making return on investment. So they were actually going backwards after paying their business loans and things like that. So cash flow wise, they were going uh, in a in a in a negative way, you know, in the in the wrong way. That's what I mean by twenty five to thirty percent not making money. Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. So this is a very big figure, isn't it? So yeah. So you can. Why correct, correct. So what actually call you know what happens is if that doesn't improve, then you start to slip, right? So another thirty to forty percent. This is in my experience, by the way, are walking on thin ice, and I call this on thin ice because they can go either way. Uh, they're probably just breaking even, paying themselves a wage still, uh, putting in a lot of time and effort into it, but not recovering and, and making a, a reasonable profit. So that's in the middle ground, and I call it like the orange orange zone, and. I think roughly about one in three franchisees actually generate double-digit return. So what I mean by that is uh, making more than 10% return on investment. The good news is that you can do that uh, if you actually have a solid system behind you, but more importantly, your own mindset to make it work. I've seen great successes around the country. You don't hear that in the news because you only hear the, the negative stories in the news, but there are a lot of amazing franchise businesses out there thriving and growing, you know, they're buying multiple businesses. So yeah, I mean, look, it's um, it's a journey, as you said. It's like it's a huge spectrum of things which I'm involved in. Okay, that, that sounds actually quite interesting. So, what are the main factors that affect franchise profitability in your experience? Is it do you think it's more to do with the amount of time and effort they put into it, or do you think it's more to do with how much they have in reserve when they start up the business in the beginning? Good question. Uh, both, actually. But I'll talk to the main ones, Alan. So the first and most important one was that there was a lack of proper due diligence. And we'll talk about it further. But I found a lot of people that have come into the system didn't do the checks and balances before they bought the business. And uh, that was something that was quite concerning when I saw that. The other side of it is 
we don't really talk about this too much, but this is something that I am very passionate about. And I know this because I've seen this happening. The level of profitability at the end of the day for a franchisee is linked to the level of their mindset, their line mindset to the business. When I mean mindset, I mean a brain in action. When there's a lack of motivation, purpose, desire, or direction, that also turns into the lack of profitability. Okay, so it's kind of really uh, related. Energy and positivity are related to numbers and money. Okay, so I'm a big believer that just psychology is the number one factor that influences ultimate success in franchising or anyone for that matter. And I saw that. I saw great franchisees, franchisees who are in a say in a very high rent area with you know. 10, 20 different cafes around them, they still ran it very successfully and they made money. Whereas I've seen franchisees who had no competition in a regional area struggle. So I think that's the second thing is the mindset is so important. The other one is uh, making the wrong money choices. Uh, So when you go into franchising, there's only three ways you can spend your money or you can use your money. And one is basically you can use the money that you've made to put it back into the business. That's your choice. The second thing is you can invest, you know, you can pay off any debts if you like. But the third part is spend it when you really can't spend it. So people have made, uh, sometimes you make the wrong money choice and that also affects it. The, the, the franchise, the other thing is the franchisees, when they start to not make money or not, they're not aligned, then trouble starts because the relationship between the franchisor and franchisee breaks down. And as you see in the news and things like that, so that is very much a part of the industry as well. So I think these are the main reasons. It's relationships, it's actual the actual profitability, and more importantly, the mindset. And when you say the mindset, because that can be a fairly broad term there, uh, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Do you mean, um, the, I mean, is there a specific franchisee mindset that translates to success, or do you mean matching the industry, the franchise model with the mindset? Of the person. So, yeah. So, what I mean is this, okay? So, in any given situation, from my experience, even if you bought a business, only 20 to 25% of success is actually the goals you write down and the strategies and tactics you have to get to that goal. It only is only a small part of it. What the mindset I'm talking about is the other 75%. This 75% includes do you have the right habits and the behaviors to run the business? Do you have the right motivation and you feel aligned to the values of the business? These are intrinsic, non-physical things that is the majority of success factors. And that's what I mean by mindset. I'm not talking about the actual plans and goals. We can all do that. We can say how to make money. We can, we can read books on that. But it comes down to, Raghu, the, the motivation, the, 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 the habits and the, and the actions that you take on a daily basis consistently that's going to make a difference. That's what I mean by mindset. And so that also translates to, you know, often you say, people often say it's a journey, like you've mentioned, but, it, but it's also process as well um, that you need to go through. So you don't want to take the wrong journey and be bankrupt and be in debt because you want to go on a journey. But from your end, you also have a process you follow to, to make that due diligence align with person, isn't it? Can you expand on that a bit as well? Like we often get people going, I want, I want to um, explore this journey um, and that's great, but I think that has to be backed with the right direction and, and processes as well. I mean, I, and, and do you think that's the case there as well? Definitely. I think these process and systems is as important as the mindset 
uh, in the success uh, of, of a franchisee or the franchisor. I'm talking about both here. So going back to your question, what it means is that when you actually go into a business, you've got to have this L, I call it the L word, and it's called love. You've got to love, or you want to want to love what you're about to do, not like. If you say, I think I like my business, you're not going to have a chance. You've got to have this passion and this love to do it. So that's the first thing. So the process in due diligence is really about what I call as internal due diligence. There's two types, okay? Internal due diligence basically means do you feel, so the word is feel, do you feel right that this business is going to be the one for you in your journey? It's not logical yet. It's just a feeling, okay? So this is all about my lifestyle, my values, my the number of hours I want to work. These aren't to do with making money yet. This is what you are. And if you are, say, a symbol of a letter A, you want to find something which is a letter A on the other side. So you want to match that. So that's kind of where I think is the the, the thing that is more important in due diligence, the internal due diligence. Does your lifestyle, time, money, or even values kind of correspond to the potential business you want to buy? That is more important. The rest is easy. Okay, so taking a step back, we just want to have look back at that franchisor-franchisee relationship you touched on a little earlier. Um, you mentioned before in conversations outside of this podcast that it's more like a marriage. Can you talk more about that? What What do you mean by marriage? What do we mean by marriage? Marriage uh, usually means that you're in love. <laughs> and also it actually means that you probably had a relationship before you got married. So it's exactly the same thing. You know, I, I make this joke, but it's it's really not. Uh, usually, a marriage happens after you get to know each other. Normally, the case, but in the case of franchising, it's like an arranged marriage. And it's if you guys know about arranged marriages, it basically means that you really didn't get to know the other person first, and you kind of have to fall in love very quickly and then get into it. Okay, and in, this is very much a similar thing in franchising, where a potential franchisee doesn't know every single thing about the franchise industry or the franchisor, but they take a leap of faith and hope that they fall in love with the model and the franchisor after they sign their life away. You get it? So that's why I call it like marriage. And just like a marriage, a franchisee and franchisor goes through a honeymoon period, just like most marriages do. And that could last a day. It could last six months. It could, it could last 20 years. <laughs> but I can tell you, things do get tough in franchising or in business. And unless the relationship is strong, you're going to see strains and frustrations and mistrust kicking in. And we all know what that happens. The relationship breaks down. You watch the news. This is what you're hearing at the moment. So it is a marriage because it's a relationship. A franchisor and franchisee have to be in some type of relationship to make this work. And due diligence is such an important part of that. Yeah, and we've got to the, the, the crux of this issue, you know, due diligence. You know, am I going to make money out of this? Is it a long-term growth prospect for me and can I get up every day and do this to prosper I mean how, how do you what's your process for due diligence uh, with with your clients and and what do you suggest are the first steps for someone who wants to go down that road and, and commence a due diligence process sure they do let me just first define what due diligence means for me in franchising or should be I say should be because it does not happen most of the time and this is very important because I see this. People get rushing into it without getting the right advice. The franchise code talks about getting independent advice, but it's not. It, it, it doesn't go down and ask you, you know, tell me more about the credentials of the person you got the advice from. It doesn't go down to that level. It recommends that a potential franchisee gets independent advice. So 
what what it is is due diligence is asking the right questions. First of all, to yourself, if you're buying a franchise, first you ask yourself the question: Am I right? Am I ready for the certain uh, a certain model that I'm looking for uh, a franchise model? And the second part is asking questions outside yourself to the franchise or to other franchisees to people. And that is what, for me, due diligence is. It's to ensure that the franchise is close to perfect. It can't be like. It's got to be love. It's got to be close to perfect for you and your family based on your capabilities and your resources, including money, time, lifestyle, values, etc. I can tell you right now, if you don't go through this, uh, if you don't take an, uh, an effective due diligence process, you are taking a very, very big risk for your future. Not just for you, but your family. So you have to understand it's very important, and um, it's very it's it's not it's a complicated process because you got to look at yourself first, and then look at what information you have available to make it work. So the way we do it, guys, is that we we go through a series of uh, questions from my experience that you need we need to ask you first. That you know, in fact, if you are mentally, emotionally, and financially ready for this commitment. Notice the word I used, mentally and emotionally first, before money. And again, that comes back to mindset. A lot of franchisees come into a business hoping to buy another job. Franchising isn't a job. It's a, it's a way of life. It is your life. So therefore, you got to understand, you know, it's not a corporate role. You have to become a business owner. And that's what we help you. We help you understand, are you ready for that journey? Are, you know, have, you, have you thought about the internal steps it takes to, to make this work? Because if your mindset, if your values and your passion can match the business, you've got a great start. So that's the first step. We actually do it. Uh, we look at your internal diligence to make sure that you can handle the business. The second part of it is the money side. Do you have the money? Do you have the financial uh, capability to handle the business growth? Not just now, just to buy the business, but can you sustain the business year after year after year? So we go through a series of business planning tools. We go through your cash flow. We go through uh, questions that you need to ask your franchisor because there are certain questions, there's 10 or 20 questions that we are, we've got to ask them that a lot of people don't ask. Then you can find out really more about the franchisor. So these are deep questions we ask, again, based on our industry. And then you also got to make sure the franchisor is going to be happy with you. And most franchisors would, would say, yes, we have a process you know, in place to get the right franchisee. But we actually ask franchisors some questions saying, why do you think that we are suitable for your brand? So that's kind of the very high-level process, Raghu, that we use to um, go take our clients through uh, due diligence. Yes, you're right, Emmanuel. It's it's a bit of passion. Like Australians are quite passionate people and we're quite emotional in what we do and adventurous too. There, there aren't that many Australians out there who wouldn't want to take on a small business. So just with the typical business that you deal with in Australia – what would you call a red flag would be like, would be the time when you'd want to talk to someone about due diligence, especially considering that human nature, we tend to get help at the last possible moment or when it's possibly too late? Sure. <laughs> it's a good question. I think when you feel it, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Look, due diligence actually happens before you buy the business, but it's not, doesn't mean that uh, you can't use due diligence when you're actually in a business after you bought it, right? So... The red flags usually come up when, when you look at your bottom line. This is the output of it, by the way. When you look at the bottom line and go, oh, I can't pay my bills or I can't pay, pay my bass or my taxes or 
that's kind of the output, okay? That's the that's the sign that happens before a lot of other things happen. The first sign that you're going to feel, the red flag, is that if you don't feel, again, the word feel, if you don't feel motivated running your business, and I can tell you 75%, 80% of success comes down to the way you feel, not the way uh, what you do or how you do it, but why you're doing it, okay? The why, as we call it. So the red flag is if you're not feeling satisfied running a business and you're just it feels a chore to get into the business and it feels not right, that's the, for me, that's the first red flag. The second thing is uh, when you see that the energy in your business isn't what it was or what it's meant to be. And you'll see that through just not you, but your staff, your team members, and ultimately your customers. So the red flag really comes down to internally, Ellen, the way you feel, mm-hmm. and that translates back into profitability. Yes, sure. Uh, but in terms of um, how you feel translating to profitability, I understand it's quite hard to have you know, a set of metrics that aligns for every single franchise business or every single industry. Look, looking at your your EBIT and your, your you know your cash flow and whatnot. Do you have any sort of systems in place or, or metrics that you just keep an eye out on? Say, for example, if you're looking at the food industry um, and you're looking at a cafe franchise or a restaurant franchise, are there any key metrics there you'd need people to tick off for um, before either they invest in the franchise or they're, they're in there and then they get some red flags coming up? Yeah, sure. In the, in the, in the food and uh, cafe industry, there are at least four or five things I'd be looking at straight away. The first thing would be, and this is the most important, I think, because this is, this, this is what you can't fix, is the rent, the potential occupancy cost of what you're going to be getting yourself into. And as you know, as the last time you ever checked, rent's going down. It doesn't go down. It always goes up. So you've got to kind of work out what percentage rent is as, opposed, uh, as compared to your potential sales. And I believe in the industry, this is where people get it wrong, where they get into these businesses and they're paying enormous rents and your return on from your sales don't match up to that rent. So I'd be looking at uh, a rent percentage, personally, no more than uh, between 10 and 12% of your potential sales in the industry you just spoke about, Raghu. So if, if your rent is higher than that, I'd be really uh, looking at it with a you know, fine-tooth comb to see that you know, we can make it work. So that's the second, that's the first, that's the most important thing, I think. The second thing is the level of borrowing that you're going you're gonna to get to run your business. So if you're borrowing a lot of money uh, to fund your business, you've got to weigh that up as far as will that, re- will that uh, repayment uh, cover the, uh, the profits. And if that's just going to make it balanced, uh, if it's just going to be break even, then you've got to be thinking to yourself, I need to get a, a higher turnover business. The other things are the, the the things that people talk about, the cost of goods, which is the cost of making the sale. That's got to be sitting between a margin there in, in the industry. You know, we talk roughly 30%, but it's, it's up and down either way. And then your labor cost percentage, we, we talk about labor as, as, as a comparison to sales. That's similar to um, the cost of goods as well. So those are the kind of metrics you're looking for. When you, uh, when you look for a business in the, in the hospitality, food and cafe industry. All right, great. And then, I mean, from the apart from that, you've mentioned how rents are going up, uh, as well as the, um, the the costs of labor and whatnot. But what do you think is the key? Like cash flow is often talked about as a main 
component or cash is king. I mean, do you have any stops or gaps in stops or checks in place to try and monitor cash flow as well? We do. I mean, look, for, for our clients, we actually have a weekly profitability reporting tool. Um, the, the thing is, you'd be surprised. I can, I can tell you some stories. I've known franchisees who hadn't looked at their profit and loss for three or four years. They haven't looked at it. And you'd think, why wouldn't they do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? You would think that, right? So what, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Um, and I asked the question for many months when I used to go through this. And what I found out was that one of the key reasons was they were scared. Well, first of all, some of them didn't understand how to look at the numbers. And that's fair enough. That's, a, that's an education piece. And what they would do is at the end of every year, the accountant will do the books for them. And that would be the extent of the, the involvement with numbers. And I'm talking about franchises in the system for a long, long time. But what I also found out was that some franchisees are too scared to look at the numbers because when they look at it, they're going to find out the reality of how things are and they didn't want to go through that experience, which is, you might think it sounds, you know, why would they do that? But I've seen a lot of that. <laughs> so w- going back to your question, we do have, you know, what I recommend and we can, you know, we provide these tools to our, our clients is that you got to measure profitability on a weekly basis. We go through this program, we, make, we actually make it fun to understand numbers because numbers are the output of your experience you're given to people, right? The numbers in your books are basically a, a result of the experience you provided to a, your, your customers. So you should be pretty proud of it and should be looking at it on a weekly basis. So we provide these very simple tools that people can find a lot of fun to use. Uh, and I recommend on a minimum you look at it weekly, worst case monthly. You can't just look at your numbers once a year or every six months. That's when you get into cash flow problems. You got to you got to measure it on a weekly basis. I know some people that do it on a daily basis. I'm not saying that you need to get down to that level, but start with a weekly uh, profitability tool, and we can help you with that. And, and that's probably a good lesson for all businesses, not just franchises as well, to to, to actually keep on top of your numbers you know, ruthlessly um, throughout the whole process, so you have a clear picture of what's going on. It's the same with every business, franchise or non-franchise. It's it's part of your life, and it's just an output of what you're doing. You got to measure these things. You got to be accountable for them. And that's the other thing, Raghu, is that when you don't measure the numbers, there's no accountability because there's nothing to judge it against. And uh, most franchisees will really quickly tell you their sales. Some of them will know their cost of goods, some their labor, but not many will tell you on a weekly basis how their cash flow. Yes, they see the bank statement. You can do that. But uh, I think there's a massive opportunity to in the industry for us to, as professionals, I'm talking talking from our end, as consultants and professionals to help franchises and franchises with better reporting tools. And I think there's a lot of lot of scope there. Yeah, it also helps to be able to make friends in the right places and have a backup there for when you need to get into the habit of checking things weekly. So LinkedIn is a tool there where you can network easily in your area, and it's as simple as. It can be as simple as buying a cup of coffee for someone you know has a strength in areas where you have weakness, such as accounting and cost measurements. Just ask someone on LinkedIn if you can meet for a cup of coffee. It's quite a powerful tool to have, especially getting into practice. We're talking about the Australian small business regulations at the moment. The regulations put the responsibility and control on the franchisee more than the franchisor at the moment, and this is driving the need for the due diligence first. What do you think is the future of the small business sector at the moment? Do you think with everything going on at the moment with 
like businesses and franchisees having to look at how they operate business. Do you think the Australian sector is going to improve in the next couple of years or take less of the weight off the franchisee? I think the industry has a great future. And I say that only because we've had to go through this pain where we're in right now. And Australians as a whole are very resourceful, passionate people because I've traveled around the world. I see this. I, I, go, uh, I travel quite a bit and I look at franchising across the, the globe. And I think we have a really good opportunity to really kickstart our small business industry through franchising, but it takes the relationship. It's got to be a combined effort with, with the industry, the, uh, you know, the government agencies, the Franchise Council of Australia, everybody has to play a part in this. And I think what you're seeing at the moment is something that has had to happen because the danger signs were there in the industry for a long, long time. But in saying that, I'm very confident that both franchises and franchises can prosper in the system. And that really depends on us working together and really helping franchisees. And I think the onus has to come back a little bit more to franchisors now. Just going back to your original question, yes, franchisees have taken a lot of risk in this endeavor. And ultimately, and I said to you, it's a relationship, it's a marriage, right? So therefore, both sides need to play a part in this. But I would highly and I'm seeing this as well. A lot of franchises are taking it seriously. They're setting up systems and tools and providing support to franchisees. And I think overall, franchisors have a little bit more to play in this journey. And I think the owners has to come back slightly towards franchisors, which is a good thing for them because they know that they're going to have a profitable network and system, which ultimately means that they are going to be successful in the long run. And I'm very positive for the industry. I think it's uh, not gone. I think it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna grow, and uh, we're gonna get better in time as we go along. So I'm I'm quite optimistic. Yeah, so are we. I mean, we've definitely experienced you know some more cynicism because I mean we're involved with a lot of work for marketing for franchises, you know, inquiry generation for new business franchises as well. But we're seeing a, a yeah, you know, it's it's almost like the banking sector where it goes through a regular crisis and comes back hopefully renewed. So we have another crisis in ten years, but hopefully we'll have that process of where we're renewed again with you know, better processes and and better you know, setups for all. So we are seeing a return to some more enthusiasm for Australians to get back into franchising, which is a great thing. And I think if it's balanced more by this this due diligence style services you have, it can only help. I mean, can you talk about a bit about where you think due diligence is required the most? So we've touched on some of these, you know, mess ups in the industry, some in the food industry as well. Where do you think buyers and sellers are more likely to be misrepresented or misled? I think the industry that, or the sector that we need to look, take a closer look at at due diligence is in professional services. I'm talking about industries where people don't walk into a business, like not retail. I'm talking about non-retail. And the reason why that's important is because you, there's no guarantee of how much money you can make in a professional services business, say an accounting practice, or I'm not picking names here, but I'm talking about those kind of service industries. Yeah, yeah. Because what happens is that ultimately the, the franchisee is responsible in most cases for going and finding leads to bring in to make the money. And I think that area is a bit of a gray area to me. And I think I would be spending personally, and I spend a lot more time on due diligence in those industries. Because I want to make sure that the potential franchise, my client, uh, my customers are going to be ready to actually go out there and bring in customers, not expect people to walk into their door. 
And uh, yes, you've got some great brands like gyms who actually bring in leads for you. That's lucky. That's good. But in most cases, there's not the gyms. You know, a lot of the startups don't have the capability to actually bring in leads. So I would say the industry definitely is in, in that startup professional services side of it. And of course, in retail and cafes, it's a different type of due diligence because there's so many of them out there trying to, and a lot of them are for sale as well, trying to sell those businesses. You've got to really ensure that the financial, the, the, the overhead costs aren't detrimental to the growth of the business, like I mentioned earlier, the, the rents and things like that. So it's a totally different look at due diligence. So when in a retail industry, I'd be looking at more than numbers. Personally, that's what I'll be doing. Or that's what we do anyway. Whereas in professional services, I'll be looking more on the mindset of the potential franchisee. Can they actually go out there and bring in sales? And then what does Metamorphosis do specifically? Because I do know you're offering um, free calls with people listening to the podcast or as well, or you're offering the ability to have an initial discussion with you to get that. The um, You'd almost call them like a, a self-assessment you're doing um, for free for, for listeners. Can you talk a little bit about that and also about you know how you achieve a bottom line for your clients as well? What I I'm actually excited about this. You know, Eden Exchanges. I mean, we've been uh, you know working with you guys for a while, and I've you know I'm really happy that you know you have this this company that's doing really well and you know being a great light in the industry. That's really good. So keep going with that, guys. But from my perspective. We're here to we're here to help our clients, you know. And what we're going to do is, uh, as far as due diligence is concerned, I've got a great team of people who have been ex franchisees and franchisors. So these guys are not just accountants. These guys have actually been in the game. They have been there with lots of years of experience. They've run businesses before. And what we're offering your listeners is the ability to have a obligation free chat with us for you know fifteen minutes or so. Where you can just basically, I can just, you know, we can give you some heads up on the industry, you know, if you're on the right path, and you know, as you ask you those initial questions to see if, you know, you potentially can, you know, change your life around and have a great business and make a big difference to yourself and the world. So that's what we're doing through uh, Eden Exchanges. You know, it's a 15 minute uh, consultation that we do. And how do we get them to achieve their bottom line? I do believe, in, again, is that. We are great coaches and mentors. You know, we really believe in the coaching and mentoring aspect of a business. So, you know, we do that quite a bit with all our clients. We've got both franchisors and franchises as clients. And we, we do that. We do, you know, initial startup consultation. As a franchisee, the due diligence is a startup consultation. And for franchisors as well, we do that. And then, you know, month-by-month advisory, we do recruitment. You know, we get the right franchisees for the right franchisor you know, the, the branding side of it and a strategy. So we're pretty much a, you know, one shop stop for us and uh, we're excited about it. So that's how we, we make bottom line for our, for our clients. And when people get on the call with you and you have the opportunity to click on a, a link uh, near the podcast as well as on, on some of our other sites, what's the first question you'd ask them? First question we'd ask is why? <laughs> it's a the question that we ask is why do you see yourself doing this? Not the what and how, but what is it? Why is it that you want to do this? It's a it's a question we always ask because that question is going to give me a, a, a big clue on where they're going to head. And remember, the why is the mindset. The why is the the reason for doing something. Rather than saying, if they say to me, "I'm here to make lots of money," my answer then would be, "Money is is just the product of you." 
doing something that you love, okay? Because you'd have to have this element of liking what you're doing or loving what you're doing. So my first question always is, why do you want to do this? I always start with that. All right, fantastic. And look, what is it? Look, we're, we're, look it's been quite insightful today, but, and we'll get back to the, um, the calls again or the due diligence discussions you're offering a bit later. But what is it about your business now that's exciting you the most? Um, obviously, you've talked about passion, the commitment. Is it the love of helping people or is it the industry itself? Or what makes you, you know, practice what you preach and what makes you love your work? I love it because I've been through understanding the industry and I've seen all the emotions behind it. The idea actually came from the deeper desire to help people. Uh, and I'll be totally honest. I tell my franchise or clients that I'm pro-franchisee. I want to help franchises initially because if I can help them, I'm helping franchisors. It's, it's a relationship. But I also saw what could happen to their lives when things didn't work out. You know, I saw this uh, day in, day out uh, in my life. And I wanted to make a difference in this world. And, the, and I chose the franchising sector to do that. And the people that I'm working with feel the same as me on this. Just, you know, when you walk in, I'll give you a scenario, Raghu. On Saturdays, you know, people play sport in Australia. You know, you go and take your kids to soccer or basketball or whatever. But you then go out to your local franchise restaurant or cafe and you, and you buy yourself a hot chocolate and drink. But you realize that the people working there are actually parents, uh, mums and dads, uh, grandfathers, grandmas, you, know, you name it. There are, there are people with families as well working in that store. And their kids may be out there playing soccer as well, but they probably haven't seen those kids play soccer because they're out to serve you as customers. And uh, for me, that's a big sacrifice. But, you know, they're still and, – and I think people need to honor that, uh, that you know, your local franchisee is actually a hero because they're actually out there helping you. And that was one of my major reasons why I started this because I know that Aussie mums and dads and and uh, you know the community members are actually doing this. It's not a big corporate that is uh, earning massive profits to to avoid taxes or anything. I, I'm a very pro small business person, so that's what was, was one of my motivations to actually do it. But at the end of the day, if we can't help the franchisees, we haven't done our jobs. But we also work with franchisers who get it. So we can be quite picky about who we want to work with now because, you know, we can actually align ourselves with the right franchisor who wants to help franchisees. So for me, it's a love of the industry. It's a love of people. And I'm a big believer in the small business sector. It's crucial to our economy. And franchising, as I said to you, isn't going away. It's actually going to get better and better, which means it's going to be an amazing future for all of us. And we have a big part to play in it. Okay, so sounds like you have a very valuable resource there, just the experience of knowing the situation, such as like on the Saturday on the football field and hearing all the case studies and hearing the stories of all the clients you've had over the years. Is there a way you're offering a secondary service to offer an education as to small business examples, like finding a way to get people to relate to your experiences and your services? It is a dream of mine, Alan, to do that. So, I mean, obviously, I'm building, you know, we're building our businesses to a point of, you know, our strategy that would say we want to create this global education hub uh, in the medium to long term, I think. So, in the next year or two, you'll see that. I think it's so much, it's so important to have education out there, which is not to make money from it, but, you know, use for me, use that as my experience. You know, I, I, do, I do write a lot of things as well. You know, I'm writing a book at the moment, uh, not as quickly as I should my wife would tell me, but I'm actually writing a book on the psychology as well of, of franchisees. 
which I hope to have out next year or the early year after that. But I'm constantly writing, sharing information, but I want to create a, a hub of free resources that uh, franchisees across the globe, because there's no, it, we're not limited by uh, countries anymore because it's a digital world out there and it's a great, uh, great way to do it. So yes, we are definitely working towards that and I think that's the future. I don't know, as a taste of that, you've started releasing you know, sets of case studies that we're going to be pushing out as well. Um, so those are really insightful. Um, you can find them on our websites and, and um, you, you'll get some really interesting cases of people who have used due diligence to make um, you know, success as well as the ones who haven't and have suffered the consequences. So we'll, we'll, we'll be um, showcasing those case studies on the site. But from, from that end, can you tell us a little bit about where you've seen this lack of diligence have a drastically negative result for a person and the flip side where it's helped someone to achieve what they want? Yeah. So the best way to represent success or the lack of it is through stories that you have experienced in your own life because that means it's authentic and it's real. It's not something you've made up as a fiction book. You know, these are I've been through situations of situations where I've seen both sides and what I wanted to and what I'm doing and I'm loving doing this is to present those presents case studies to you guys, uh, to, to our readers and to our listeners that can help them understand the magnitude of the importance of due diligence. So, you know, let me pick the pick a couple of examples. You know, I have seen from due diligence not working where ultimately families have lost marriages and, uh, and kids being affected because of the franchisee didn't weigh in lifestyle factors or things that were important to them apart from money when they made the decision. And that is heartbreaking to see. And it's not always the case, but I've seen that. Okay. I always make a joke when I see a couple working together and I say, you know, I couldn't work with my wife uh, 10 hours a day in a, in, a ca- in a coffee shop. She'll, I don't know, she will kick me out very soon. I think if I work in a shop with her, uh, we're different personalities. But, you know, I always kind of make a joke about it. But underlying there is that, you know, it is a relationship draining exercise because, you know, you, you're putting your heart and soul into it. So I've seen the other side of it. On, on, the, other, on the flip side, I've seen great stories. You know, like one uh, example was there was a lady that came in. She was, only, she was a new Australian. She's only been here for a year or two. And she, she had a, a great cafe in the city, in Sydney. And she couldn't really speak much English. She was learning English still, but she could actually sing. <laughs> and she would, uh, she would sing to her, uh, to her customers. Okay, it was a cafe. I'm not going to tell you which brand it is, but it was a cafe, and um, she was singing to their cust- the customers. And uh, very soon, the staff started having a, a cafe song. And a lot of these guys were also overseas students, and um, literally they grew their sales in double digit year after year after year. And um, she did it because she loved. She wanted to become a barista. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't even know about coffee before she bought it. But she had this why. She wanted to make people happy. And she actually, you know, grew her business and then sold it for three times the amount of money she bought it for. So that was the other side that I've seen as well, when people actually have this passion to do something and make it work. No, that's fantastic. Because that's, honestly, that's pretty much the goal for a lot of our listeners and people on our networks. They want to buy a business, grow it passionately, and probably sell it at some point. So I think the service you're providing is fantastic. And... I mean, what are the best ways for someone to really contact you 
to get the ball rolling with this due diligence process? Look, yeah, sure. The first thing is uh, through Eden Exchange, obviously, you can uh, follow the links. You know, you can actually get in touch with us. Uh, we are offering a very good deal for due diligence. You know, due diligence is something you don't measure with cost because it is a it is such an important part of your purchase process that you got to really get the quality advice. You need to really make sure you know what you're doing. And we're actually offering your readers and uh, subscribers uh, a great deal on that. There's a link over there that you can uh, click to talk to us. We'll offer you know we we offer a 15 minute free consultation to to our subscribers. Also visit our website on www.metaproject.com.au. Uh, you'll find information on there as well as a place you can uh, click to contact us. Fantastic. Thank you very much for the Emmanuel. And anyone interested to make the right decision, get the ball rolling and get your due diligence done and um, have it get in touch with Emmanuel to, to get the process done and started correctly before you begin that journey or even if you're halfway through it. So thanks again for joining us today, Emmanuel. We're going to get you on again soon because some of the insights have been fantastic today. Thank you very much, Emmanuel. My pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Thank you. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Emmanuel Mung, CEO of the Metamorphosis Project. To download the Meta Project case study series, head to our due diligence page on our networking website, businessbuyinvest.com, where you can also inquire about your free 15-minute due diligence consultation with the Metamorphosis Project. For more franchise insights or any other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, Business by Invest. You can also subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Recent info on the buying, selling, and investing world. Thanks for listening.